Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Now, we're not that far into Lent. We're a little bit further into it in the Eastern churches. Not quite as far in the Latin church, but uh, neither one of us is that far into Lent. However, you might be feeling already a certain kind of tension, almost like uh, you're hitting a wall already. This usually comes a little bit later into Lent, but it can happen now too. And that wall that you're hitting... Maybe you're getting tired of Lent, you're getting irritable, you're finding yourself being more irritable. Now, that's actually a good sign. We don't want to stay there, but reaching that point itself is a good sign because what it means is that you're actually taking Lent seriously, which really is about a series of saying no to ourselves, especially our physical desires, our carnal passions, our fallen passions. Not that our passions are bad. They're good, actually. You see, when it comes to sin and virtue, take sin and walk it back, and you'll find that its origin is in virtue, not the origin of sin itself, but what really is the beginning of it all. In other words, our sin actually is the downside of what is a virtue, what is good. And what happens is during Lent, we try to go back to the virtue by eliminating that which controls us. We call it overcoming or breaking the tyranny of our fallen passions. Notice I qualify that, the word fallen. Fallen passions, not just passions, fallen passions that overtake us in a form of tyranny. We don't even realize how much they overtake us. We don't realize how much we indulge how many things, in a sense, control us and how little self-discipline we have. We might have self-discipline, but Lent exposes us to how little of that discipline we actually have. And if abstaining from meat, dairy, sweets, wine, oil, music, entertainment, and I'll throw in our iPhones, throughout all of Lent might seem unreasonable, 
as very much what we do in the Eastern churches, if it might seem unreasonable to you, and in place of that, we're doing more penance, more as we do in the Eastern churches, prostrations, we actually go to the ground like the publican and the parable and the gospel, putting our head to the ground and begging forgiveness. If we're going to church and praying more often, if we're going to confession more often, does that seem extreme? Actually, all these rigors of Lent, especially those that might seem extreme, are actually the norm. Lent is bringing us back to the norm, to our real selves, to our senses, as the gospel says in the parable of the prodigal son. When he has his change of heart, the actual wording means he came to his senses. He became aware again. In other words, he woke up, the real woke. He woke up to real spirituality, to reality. And we reach back to get an echo of that original state of Adam and Eve, our original blessed state. John Paul II calls this the original man. He says that there are three historical periods of human history in terms of the human person. The original man, the historical man, and the eschatological man. Original man is how we were before sin. After original sin, we have what's called historical man. In other words, human beings living in history as we are now. We're in the historical man period, which is not reality. No, it's not reality. Oftentimes we say, oh, get real. Get real about life. Life is this or that, and you know, drudgery and tragedy. We make mistakes. We do things stupid. We say, well, what do you expect? I'm only human. We have a very negative, fundamentally negative idea about us as human persons and about life, actually. We think it's normal. That's because we live in the abnormal, fallen state of historical man. Then there's eschatological man. In other words, how we will be in the end, if we make it to heaven, gloriously transfigured, body and soul reunited, as it was intended to be from the beginning. You see, original man and eschatological man, in other words, our beginning and our end, our destiny, are very, very close. In between is the unreality. And the in-between part is the part that God came into. Christ came into it to take it on and redeem it so that we would have the happy ending. So the Lenten rigors are actually our way of hearkening back, reaching back to that original state, that original man, where Adam and Eve were not ruled by the tyranny of their passions. They were in harmony with themselves, within themselves, between themselves and God, between themselves and nature, and between each other. All that was in harmony. There was no fallen passion. They didn't lust. They didn't have gluttony. They didn't get angry. It is when they made a choice to stop seeing sacramentally that all of the bad stuff came in. They fell and everything was affected by that. There was disharmony, a disruption to everything. And between every relationship that previously was in harmony. In the Eastern churches, one of the geniuses I always talk about is living in the both and. And Lent is one of the greatest examples of that in the Eastern churches. In fact, we call it a both and name. We call it the bright sadness. Now, how can something be bright and sad at the same time? Well, when you live in the both and, which really means living in mystery, that's exactly what you get. It can happen. It can be. In fact, that's where reality is actually lived, in the both and, bright sadness. See, it works this way. A negative choice is actually a positive. 
We abstain from things during Lent, and we go through these rigors of saying no to ourselves in many ways, not just with food, but that's the principal way, because that's the hardest way, but also in every other aspect of our life. As I mentioned, even our iPhones, TV, entertainment, you say no to yourself in your desire to want that, to reach for that. You may not have to eliminate it altogether. I know we can't live without our phones, but we can certainly live with a whole lot less of our phones. That's the point. So we're saying a negative, but only to free us for a positive, to free us to become more and more, as much as we can, progressively, that person of original man, and also eschatological man, because that's the truth of ourselves. Lent is a time which we try to regain ourselves, like the prodigal son. We come back to our true selves. I mean, it should not be a surprise to you. What does the Bible say? How were we created? How were we created? In the image and likeness of God. The image and likeness of God. That is the only truth you can say about the human person. Everything else is an add-on, a foreign intrusion. No, it is not the truth in the human person that we fail, that we sin. Therefore, that's why we're human. We're not human because we fail. We're human when we do something wonderful and glorious. Great music, great art. This is why culture is so important. Great liturgy, beautiful churches, and art, and ritual, beautiful marriages, family life, beautiful gardens, landscaping, everything beautiful, everything that we stand back and revel in, that we have awe in, everything we do that is like that as a human being is our real humanness. That is how God created us, because all of that reflects God. All that reflects the order of heaven. And God intended heaven, as we hear in the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, God intended heaven to be upon earth. Now, yes, there is a difference. Earth is a transitory time. It will become a new earth, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem in time. However, as long as this earth, this cosmos is here, it is to be as much like heaven on this earth as possible. That's our task, to do that as human beings. We alone have that as a task to make it happen. The animals, the aspects of nature, the plants, they do that automatically on their own in as much as they can, but of course they're limited. They don't have free will, self-determination. They just are what they are, and they are that fully and beautifully. In a sense, this is why the earth animals are holy. They are true to what they are. That's what holiness is. Holiness means you're being true to what you are. Well, the human being, different than the animals, has a task, a destiny, a calling that is higher than the animals and the plants, and that is to actually actively, by our actions, our life, the act of our will, make the heavenly kingdom present on earth by our choices, our creativity, our imagination, our invention, our being very much like God, who is creative, imaginative, an author of creation, a person who creates community and loves. This is all the tasks of the human person. Benevolence, government, wise, benevolent governing. In other words, order, making good order for the good of all. This is all about God in heaven. And we are tasked as humans to make that happen on earth by willing it, an act of our will, and our actions. 
And all of this is what we're trying to retrieve during Lent because a lot of things get in the way of that that kind of debase us. They actually make us less than human. See, the animals and plants, they can only be who they are. That's why they're holy. We have to strive for holiness by choosing to be who we really are, which is very, very lofty. And that's not easy. We have to get stuff out of the way. One of those things is our fallen passions. More about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at ByzantineCatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you Hi, I'm Bishop Earl Boyer for WJKNAM and W227BYFM, Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan, and you're listening to Light of the East. A Lenten Reflection with Monsignor Charles Pope. As Lent progresses, we move closer and closer to Good Friday, where our Lord will suffer so much for us. During Lent, we often speak of three traditional practices, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And really at the heart of it is fasting. Fasting is a way of making room for God. Uh, Perhaps we will fast from food, and in that way we can save money and then give alms. Or perhaps we'll fast from some activity, perhaps looking at the internet so much, or television, or some other lawful pleasure. And in that way, we'll not only save money, but time, and we can spend more time perhaps praying, engaged in spiritual reading, or spending time with our family and children, or uh, getting to Mass, or adoration. All of these are ways that fasting is really this idea of making more room for God, making that room in our life for spiritual things. Lenten programs now through Holy Thursday on EWTN Radio and TV. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host, and we're talking about returning to our true selves by way of the Lenten rigors, especially those that seem to be extreme. I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, where when we come to a certain wall, and 
A lot of people do this. I've spoken to some of the men who have embraced this Exodus 90 program. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but Exodus 90, it's mostly done by men. It's kind of like, as one man described it, Lent on steroids, which is hard to imagine. Lent is already, in a sense, on steroids, but he said it's like Lent on steroids. Not all guys make it. They start out and it's kind of a, well, there's a certain uh, attrition rate that happens along the way. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's basically a spiritual challenge. It's also accompanied by some physical challenges. But what is the point of that? The point of all that is to break that tyranny of our passions, as I mentioned. But some of the men, and I've spoken to some of them, they come to the point where they kind of hit a wall. That's where they sometimes drop out or they push through that and continue with the Exodus 90 program, which again is very much like Lent. The same thing happens to us in Lent, or it should happen to you. That means that you're taking it seriously and you're saying no to your body, which your body doesn't like. I don't know if you're like me, but I think a lot of people, certainly I feel it, but I push past it. If I want to go and work out, I'm going to go to the gym, do some exercises. All of a sudden, I start feeling tired. I don't know why I'm feeling tired. Why am I feeling tired? I don't want to go. It's because your body knows, it's like it has its own mind. It knows that you're going to go and push it a bit. You're going to take it out of its laziness. It doesn't like that, so it starts faking It starts telling you a lie, like the devil told Eve in the Garden of Eden. You're tired. Do another day. Go tomorrow. Well, that's when you have to push past that. You push past a threshold, and you go and you work out, and you feel so good that you did. And you go, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Well, we'll see. But anyway, that's what happens. You feel a certain wall. There's a resistance. And you can either choose to push through that resistance or just slouch into it. But feeling the resistance is good. Don't be ashamed of that. That's not a signal that you can't do it. It's a signal that you're being called to push past what you think are your limits. I'm not talking about doing something harmful to your health. You got to be at least somewhat reasonable, even though Lent seems unreasonable. But you push past that threshold, and that's when you come to the next higher plateau of spiritual, physical, and psychological control and strength over yourself, over your fallen passions. So if you're feeling already at this point like, gee, I gave up this or that for Lent, and I'm kind of cheating on it a little bit because I, it just is so hard. I don't know if I can do this. Try and push past it. And when you do, you're going to feel a certain freedom. That's the key word here. That's, that's the takeaway word for our program today is the word freedom. You see, Lent is our return to our biblical experience. You know, the whole story of the covenant with God, of sin versus redemption, sinners versus righteous people. But the Old Testament was based upon a law and a sacrifice in the temple of basically animals. Now we come to a New Testament where it is not about a priesthood of law and sacrificing animals, but of living a life of what we call freedom in the Spirit. Freedom in the Spirit. That is where we live freely, not because we have a law hanging over our head and we just obey the rules and laws, even about fasting. Well, if I just make sure I do all the rules, I'll be okay. That's what it's about. It's about freedom from that because we don't have to live by law. We live now by the choice to love because we are loved. We live by the choice to forgive because we are first forgiven. This is freedom. 
Freedom means we can choose, but we choose the good, and we do. We're free to live happier, holier. You see, sin enslaves us. In the Byzantine church, we, in our prayers, we say a lot often about this idea of the enslavement of sin. Enslavement. We think it's freedom. Get to do whatever we want, whatever we feel like. If it feels good, I just do it. We end up being enslaved enslaved to our passions and enslaved to the consequences of our passions. Just look at the world today. Look at the consequences of what we thought was free love, free sex, free food, free money, free everything. We're in a mess, a mess that only God can get us out of. Let's be honest. And all that was because we chose sin, thinking it was freedom. So we're enslaved to our passions, more addicted to things than ever before, and the consequences of our enslavement are very enslaving. On the other hand, to live in the freedom of the Spirit is to live by the choice to love, which is supported by our ascetical disciplines. In other words, our saying no to ourself. No is not limiting. No is freeing. If you say no to yourself with the disciplines of Lent, for example, you're giving up things, even food. What happens? You create a space, an openness for something else to take that place. So here's that both-and principle again. A no is actually yes. A no is not constricting. A no is freeing. It's opening us to God's grace, first of all, to our true selves, but also to the pursuit of other things, maybe quiet time which we hear the voice of God we didn't hear before, attention to other people, writing a letter instead of just texting, looking up a friend, visiting somebody in a nursing home, going to church more, visiting God in the Eucharistic adoration in the presence of a Byzantine icon in the church with a candle lighting up that icon in front of the face of the Savior, sitting in that presence. We allow time for that. We open a space for that. We open a space to do more spiritual reading, reading of the Bible. In fact, we have specific biblical references for Lent, which in the Byzantine church are all from the Old Testament, especially the books of Genesis and Proverbs. In other words, the history of the Jewish people, our biblical history, but also the how-to to to live right. In other words, how to pursue virtue. That's what we get in the books like Sirach, Book of Wisdom and Proverbs, sort of the how-to of virtues. Very simple, interesting, very interesting, fascinating books but also Genesis, books from the the Pentateuch, you know, the Torah, the original books of the Bible, which give the whole account of a peoples called by God into a covenant that they try to remain faithful to, but struggle with, just as you and I do. So Lent is our return to that biblical experience, but it's also especially to the experience of knowing what it is to be free, free in our spirit, and have consequences that are freeing. If we can say no to ourselves, go back to the example of working out, exercising, abstaining from food. If we can say no to those things, what do we get? The freedom of maybe losing some weight or flabbiness that we could afford to lose. What does that do? It makes us freer to move around better, to feel better, to be more active. And the freedom, not only to pull away from food, but the freedom from our fallen passions. We're not encumbered anymore by addictions. By, for example, a big one today would be pornography and lust. How do you free yourself from that? You free yourself, well, a lot of ways, but fundamentally it's all about saying the big no. 
and learning what that feels like to hit that threshold where you want to say no but something's saying yes and you're in this tug of war of yes, no, yes, no, I can't resist it, I have too much temptation, it's too hard, I'm just going to give in. No, you hang in there, hang in there, take the punches, feel the pain, and then break through the barrier, I guarantee you, you'll be a free person, psychologically, physically, and spiritually. But now what happens after Lent, though? After Lent, you don't just go back to what you so-called gave up, what you were saying no to. I mean, you can, but the point of Lent is this. You return to those things in a more measured way, where you are in control of them. They, those things, are not in control of you. Or you may not go back to them at all, ever again. You might find out, you know, I've lived without my TV for 40 days, and I like it. I didn't even miss it. I forgot that I wasn't watching it. You know, that's what happened to me recently. The TV in my bedroom broke. It just kind of wore out, just went kaput. I haven't replaced it yet. So I don't ever see my TV while I'm in my bedroom. Usually then I would not watch it much. I would just kind of tune in for news and weather and stuff, maybe before I went to bed just to catch up on things or catch up in the morning, see what's what, what do I have to pray for, etc. But I haven't had that TV for quite some time. I don't really miss it. Maybe a little bit, it's a little convenience, but I don't really miss it. In fact, I don't even notice that I'm not watching it at all. So this is what happens during Lent. Imagine that happening to many things in our lives. That makes us free. So embrace Lent in the Eastern tradition. This is what I offer to you. That being both and. Say no, because your no is a great, big, wonderful, freeing yes. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. This is Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy and host of EWTN Radio's Open Line Tuesday. Heavenly Father, we ask that this Lenten season prove grace-filled for each one of us, allowing for a humble examination of self that is Christ-centered and which fosters a greater awareness and love for the three eminent good works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.